the Flipside Podcast. This week on the Flipside Podcast. Where do you think that fear comes from for a Caucasian woman? I think it's these women are seeing the world around them and they're seeing, wow, what was once a country that was really predominantly white, you know, decades ago, several decades ago, no longer. And I think uh, middle-aged women who remember an earlier time, that's where that fear is coming from. Like, wow, the world's changing. And instead of changing with it, they're kind of pushing up against it. There's like a backlash. Episode 7 of the Flipside Podcast, we're talking about the term Karen as it relates to Caucasian women and their ability to be able to ask to speak to the manager, stir up problems for black and brown people of color, take advantage of their white privilege and their ability to do certain things in today's society. We interview a woman who has been stereotyped and labeled as a Karen, and she gives us a lot of insights that are new to me, hopefully new to you as our listeners, about what she went through and different situations that she's had to handle, and how she's been labeled unfairly to some degree, but also in some situations she does fit the profile, not only based on the way that she looks and where she lives, but some actions that she's taken, and some information that she just doesn't have. I thought it was interesting to me how she just wasn't aware of certain things that I thought were common knowledge, especially in today's media-dominated time that we're in, where so much is happening, we're glued to the television. This episode was recorded back in August at a time when the pandemic had a lot of the schools closed and unavailable to have students return. But so much of what we discuss is relevant to me as a black man who's had to deal with different stereotypes and different judgments that people have played or placed on me to be able to realize they could be true, but in this fact, most cases they weren't true. But stereotypes come from places of truth or commonalities that have happened in society And sometimes they're myths, but also sometimes it plays a part into how we think and how we react. I've been in a store where a person may have thought that I was getting ready to steal because I was a black man dressed a certain way, and that person had a certain prejudice or a certain idea about black people and their ability to be able to pay for certain things. And when I listened to Karen's story, and the experiences that she shared, I understand where she's coming from, but also her ability to not be aware of her own privilege is in fact the definition of white privilege. You have certain abilities to flow through life and not have to worry about certain things, and it creates a level of ease. I'm very interested to hear more about other dynamics that have taken place within her life as she talks about 
the way she grew up. And I appreciated her ability to be open about ways that white individuals get together and talk and have conversations about the Confederate flag or diversity or the ways that the world is and has changed. So I thank Ms. Karen for her opportunity to share these insights, and I hope you will appreciate what she has come to share with us on the Flipside Podcast. Once again, to start the Flipside Podcast, today's guest has a very interesting story. Uh, Karen Capone is joining us. Uh, She is a member of the main line, as we like to call out here in Pennsylvania. She is a school teacher. Karen, what grade is it that you currently teach? I teach eighth grade. Eighth grade. So obviously there's a lot to handle these days teaching Mm -hmm. virtually. How is that going? Yeah, that's a, it's a challenge. Um, Every day, you know, you have to be able to engage with the students, yet also get them to do their work and stay on task. And it's, it's pretty difficult. Do you you feel that um, you've had an opportunity to talk with parents and talk with other people, other teachers, obviously, and administrators? Do you feel like teachers are being given a fair shake during this time period to do the best that they can? I don't, because I think people um, hold it against us that we're not back in the classroom, and we're kind of in between what the CDC wants and what the district wants, and um, we really don't have any control over the decisions that are made by a district or the state or even the union. Um, It's really they have to negotiate together, and I think people kind of hold it against us and feel like we refuse to go back, and there's the media, too, that you know, puts out these, you know, stories that they refuse to go back. And that's not it at all. That's, that's, a lot of people have different issues, childcare issues or health issues where they cannot come back. Yeah, it's a perfect segue uh, when you mention the media, because that is really essentially why we have you on the show here today. Uh, We really wanted to try to get a true perspective of someone that is, not necessarily dealing with a sensitive topic, but it does relate to you and your life when we talk about this idea of so-called Karens, as the term is. And the media has a perception that's out there. Uh, White women who live in the suburbs and how they're deemed this term called Karens, it just so happens that your name is Karen, so it kind of fit naturally to talk to you about this topic. As a white woman named Karen, Do you think it's fair that your name is associated with this term? And and what comes to mind when you think about that? No, I I don't think it's fair to associate my name with this term because I've known plenty of Karens and and people from all ethnic backgrounds and races. So I I never consider it was just a white name. And I didn't consider Karen to be an antagonistic type of name or people that I know named Karen. So... Yeah, I do think it's unfair because I think it's just it's targeting everybody named Karen and saying, okay, everybody like like that is is this way, you know. So when you think about that term Karen as it's portrayed in the media and as you think about it today, when you think about the term and how it's being portrayed, how would you define a Karen? Well, to be honest with you, I when I first heard it, if someone <laughs> on Facebook said I made a comment about the weather in a, in a, to an article that was on Facebook. And someone said, that's so 
typical of a carrot. And I was like, what, what's that person talking about? And I had to look it up. And so for what I found was a Karen is uh, generally a white, a middle-class female, uh, middle-aged, who is very demanding and argumentative and complains a lot and almost tries to get people in trouble and incite problems. And I was like, wow, all that over a name? And then the male version of that is Ken. Didn't know that either. And I was like, wow. <laughs> so I was a little shocked. And then I really got it over the summer. Like if I made a comment about anything online, I mean, they were like, oh, spoken like a true Karen. What kind of comments were you making that receives the feedback? Well, I think it was the this, this civil unrest that was going on in the different cities, police brutality. Um, I was making comments and people on either side of that argument were like, oh, you're such a Karen. And it's like, wow, wow, you can't win. You know what I mean? Like no matter what opinion you have, people are coming at you. And even if it's not a controversial subject, I still got it. Comment about weather, they still said, such a Karen. So if we're being, you know, try to give our listeners a, a better understanding because we don't really know what it was that was said. Like, tell us, what, what do you remember some of the comments that you made or some of the posts that you might've had? Yes. <clears throat> so one comment was about the statues coming down. I have strong feelings. I feel like markers of history and do we have to tear them down? Isn't there a better way either put them in museums or can we leave some up or, you know, can we, can we talk about history in a positive way and have both viewpoints? Do we have to destroy things? Like, I think my, my thrust was, why do we have to destroy monuments and statues? Why is there always this kind of violence? And people were, oh, you're such a Karen. And they had a meme of, of a woman with blonde hair, a white woman with blonde hair screaming her head off. And I was like, you're such a Karen. And I was like, wow. <laughs> so it was an eye-opener. Do you have, uh, you said monument. So obviously we live in Pennsylvania outside the Philadelphia area. So there's the dynamic where there was the statue of Frank Rizzo. And then on a national level, there's obviously certain halls, certain buildings in certain facilities that have been named after uh, Confederate leaders. And overwhelmingly, uh, the larger perception would be the Confederate flag. Right. So in the sense of the history, do you feel as though you can see or understand why other people feel so passionate about taking down some of these symbols of the Confederacy or, uh, let's say, racist types of leaders or other types of, we'll say bad actors in society. So folks that maybe have had done some things that were considered racist or let's say persecuting some other folks, if that makes sense. Yes, I can see, I see the viewpoints, particularly with the Confederate flag, and what it stood for back during the Civil War and how can we perceive now? I mean, we, we have one flag, which is the American flag. And I I actually, I registered shock and surprise that it was still flying over some, you know, official government buildings in the South. I was like, I understand how someone else of a different background or race or, or feelings about history would <clears throat> maybe have some objections. I just think perhaps there's probably a better way that we could handle this without violence, 
and um, have people come together rather than fighting with each other, you know, coming to blows because we are one country, you know, we really need to stick together to be separated. So, yeah, I think there needs to be a greater understanding. People need to understand other people's perspective. I don't have a problem if people say, hey, look, I, I have a problem with that Confederate statue. Can we put it in a museum? I don't have a problem with that. I just, I hate it when they tear things down and destroy them. And it was, it was, I saw them as just a marker of history. Not that I necessarily agree with those people or think they were good, but I just, it was like a marker in my viewpoint of history. But I did talk to other people and they said, you know, they felt very intimidated by it. You know, they just had bad feelings about it. So sometimes you do have to reach out and talk to other people and say, you know what, I didn't think of it like that. But I, I don't, I don't see myself as a person that's like, well, you know what, it has to be one way and that's it. I think people were now starting to kind of open up a little bit and um, discuss, you know, the different viewpoints about history and the markers or so-called markers of history. Why do you believe that people came up with such a controversial term as, as Karen? I think some people must have had a bad experience with maybe a white middle-aged woman who called the cops for no reason and someone of a different race and freaked out. And that would scare just about anybody, you know, and that's certainly not acceptable and it's not right. And it's, it's bizarre behavior, really. When you think about it, like, why, why are you acting this way? But I think that's where it came about. And they just put a name to it. And I think, the, like I said before, the male counterpart is Ken. And so I guess they're saying that the male counterpart does the same thing. So a lot of what is centered around the term Karen is coming from the idea of white privilege and how certain actors or essentially white women have used their white privilege as a, as a weapon. W would you ever say that you would agree with the term white privilege? Do you have thoughts around what that means? You know, I, I often thought about that. And as far as I'm concerned, and I, I can only do it through my perspective, I worked uh, very hard to get to where I went, you know, where I am in life. And I was brought up in a middle-class family and we all had to work at a young age. Like I started babysitting at 11 and my parents instilled that work ethic. So I really don't feel that I'm this privileged person that I feel that things should automatically come to me. I've learned that you have to wait in line. You have to wait and you have to work for it and you have to save for it. To me, I, I just don't feel like it's applicable. Um, are there people that might have that? Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's a lot of privileged groups um, in this country, not just white privilege. I think there's there's many dynamics to that. But I don't feel like I, you know, felt like the world owed me anything. I felt like I always had to work hard for it, and I knew that it wouldn't be easy. You know, I had to make some sacrifices along the way. How would you describe the term white privilege? Well, if I had to describe it. A person of the Caucasian race who feels that he or she is special because of his or her race and that they deserve the best job, the best living conditions, the best neighborhood, the best everything, the best education, simply because of their race. So I think, I think one of the things that's important is we have an understanding of what we believe and what we think. I know that there's a certain understanding that you have to walk around when you're a person of color 
that white individuals don't necessarily have to have. So in kind of diving into the idea of white privilege, I know that there's an understanding of certain things that you have to be aware of and alert of when you're a person of color that you may or absolutely don't have to worry about when you are a white person. So I know the idea of privilege when we talk about getting a job, if we think about what obstacles a white person might face versus a person of color, it's obviously a very different path. So I know that there's different ideas around how people define white privilege. And most of what you're saying, I would absolutely agree with. But I do think that the definition, if we were looking at it as the person's ability to navigate through life and have more or less resistance, I would look to take the numbers and the data and look at it that way, or just take popular opinion and if we view things as how they're happening, if I go through certain situations as a white person, and if I go through certain situations as a person of color, there's more resistance that's met as a person of color. Would you agree with that? Or do you feel like that kind of slants the conversation or the narrative in an unfair way? I would have to say I agree with that. And I initially didn't understand that until I talked with people, people who are of color. Because I am not a person of color, how can I understand that? You know, it's, you can tell me, but I really can't unless I live it. Then I was like, well, yeah, you know what, come to think of it, their, their living style is going to be different. They have to be more aware. They always have to be on alert. They have to be sure they're safe and that where they go, they can't go to certain places maybe. They don't feel comfortable or safe. And you're right. As a white person, basically, you really don't have to worry about that. Some areas, you know, that you might have to, but. And I, I honestly truly appreciate you saying that because a lot of why we're having these conversations on the podcast surrounds that idea of we don't necessarily know everything that there is to know. And there's always two sides to a story or two sides to a situation. So it's amazing to be able to have those conversations with people. And it sounds like you've been able to do that because not everyone can know what it's like for every other person's situation. And it definitely sounds like you've taken the time to talk with some people and have your view shared with them, but then also listen to what it's like for them as well. One of the origins of the term Karen came from an incident where a white woman happened to see a young eight-year-old girl who happened to be black, uh, and she was selling bottles of water, as you may see sometimes in the, you know, in the city or in some of the rural areas. And she was, this young girl was selling the water uh, and, and turning a pretty decent profit. You know, she had got different customers, was doing well. And this white woman took the opportunity to call the police on this eight-year-old little girl because she was selling water or bottled water without a permit. So what are your thoughts about that? I think it's terrible, terrible. I mean, children all over the place have lemonade stands. They don't need, I think the lady was prejudiced and she had racial hatred and she's trying to hide behind technicality of the, the girl didn't have a permit. Um, 
I think that's, that's terrible to do that to anybody. With our different backgrounds, I am a African-American male, you are a white Caucasian woman. There are conversations that you're probably privileged to and conversations that I'm privileged to based on the company that we keep. Do you feel as though there's been situations where you've been put in uncomfortable situations because people you were with were acting like Karens or made certain comments? Uh, yes, because I uh, was, a conversation came up this summer with some people I knew about the Confederate flag and their perspective was, well, it's the South's flag. Why does it have to be taken down? And I told them, but if you were African-American, you would see it much different. You would feel like slavery is being honored when it should not be, and that, that maybe you should have to fear for your life. Or, and I said, if, if you saw that, you would have a different perspective. And some people really just um, cannot think outside of their viewpoint. I was, I was amazed that some people just really don't want to try to even think about somebody else's perspective. What kind of things were said? Well, they said that that flag should not come down. It was uh, a flag in North Carolina, I believe, that was over. Um, and that's, that's the South's flag. And, you know, why does it have to come down? Now, they didn't use any slurs or anything, but they couldn't understand why that flag had to come down. And I tried to tell them, well, we, we are one country. We have one flag. Um, that, was during, that was from the Civil War times. And that was the South's flag. And they wanted slavery. They endorsed it and supported it and had it. And they had an agrarian economy, but they still wanted slavery. And I said, that's what that represents, enslaved people. But they didn't see it that way. They said, well, we don't understand that's been flying there forever. And I tried to explain to them, but you would have a different perspective if you were African-American because of its background, because of the history of it. So it, it, I just was a little shocked that people who are educated enough to know the history would not try to see the other viewpoint. I mean, I certainly, can, I, I'm shocked that it was still, it's still being flown. I mean, in some places, I'm just baffled by it. So if we're trying to get back to this idea about Karen's and the term and how it came about, uh, one of the origins of the term came from an incident where the situation with Amy Cooper occurred. Are you familiar with what happened with that situation? Uh, no, I don't think so. So this just kind of recap. So Amy Cooper was uh, essentially walking her dog uh, in a park in the New York City area. And at the time, her dog wasn't on a leash. And obviously in the park, they had certain rules that were prohibiting dogs not being on a leash. and was confronted by a person of color, a black man had talked to her and said that she needed to put her dog on the leash. To make a long story short, the woman incited a conflict by immediately calling the police and saying that she was being harassed by a black man. But unbeknownst to her, there was a person who was videotaping the incident that took place with their phone. So essentially, the woman basic the woman said she was being uh, accosted or harassed by a 
black man. And what the situation showed was an example of a white woman, in this case, given the term Karen, who had weaponized her white privilege in the sense that she knew by calling the police and identifying her person of conflict as a black man, the police would be able to react with more aggression potentially. And in this instance, there wasn't anything that this person had done of that nature at all. So it, it, it brings to light a situation that falls in line with some of the events that we've seen involving claims that have been made uh, against a person of color by a white woman and kind of fell in line with this idea of, let me use this opportunity to use my privilege of being white to be able to facilitate certain things that I want to happen. What are your thoughts on that? How does that kind of make you feel? I mean, I'm curious to kind of get your side of it. I think it's terrible to do that. People are people, and you don't do that. You don't set up people and just for the heck of it or, or any reason. And um, actually, she was at fault here. She should have had a dog on a leash, and that man had every right to point that out. This is America. He had every right. And for her to call the police on him is, is cruel, and it was ridiculous, and it should have never happened. She should have had her dog on a leash. And that's, that would have been the end of it, you know? Um, I think it's terrible. Uh, and to act like that, you know, when people act like that, they make everybody look bad. Because that's just, that's just ridiculous. I, I don't I don't obviously assume that you speak for all, you know, female Caucasian women of a certain age living in a certain area. But why do you think things like this keep happening where there's these instances and they've happened so frequently enough that we've coined the term caring for a certain type of person that takes certain actions? I think we have a more diverse population than we ever had. You know, we have immigration and a lot of different people coming in that look differently than other than a white person. And some people may feel uncomfortable about that. Um, unfortunately, that's too bad because this is America and it is a melting pot. And, but some people may not be comfortable with that. They might have some anxiety. Not that that's a reason to act poorly or, or cruelly like that, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that might be one reason. Um, another reason might be too, that some people are not used to, uh, and I guess this goes along with what I just said, some people are not used to being around someone other than their own race. Now, when I was growing up being Italian-American, we really, we were white, but we weren't the whiter white, if you can make any sense out of that. So within that white race, there was the different levels. And because we were the darker white, we got very dark in the summer. There were comments made. Getting back to a lot of people aren't used to being around different people who look different, who act different, have different cultures, and they panic. That's not an excuse to behave badly, but I think they panic and they do things that they shouldn't do. Where do you think that fear comes from for a Caucasian woman? I think it's these women are seeing the world around them. And they're seeing, wow, what was once a country that was really predominantly white, you know, decades ago, several decades ago, no longer. And I think uh, middle-aged women who remember an earlier time, that's where that fear is coming from. Like, wow, the world's changing. And instead of changing with it, they're kind of pushing up against it. There's like a backlash. 
do you think there's certain things that are portrayed about people of color that help stir up that fear within uh, certain communities of white uh, women? With the police brutality incident, you know, the media really hypes it up. And I think when you hear about it, it's, it's always with, it's always um, with an African-American male usually, and, and there's some extreme force by the police. And I think that has something to do with it. And if some Caucasian females might say, oh, look what he did. The police had to be so violent with him because look what he was doing. And I think that stirs up some feelings of anxiety. Thanks for listening to the Flipside Podcast. Every Thursday, we will share a new episode primed with direct conversations and interviews about topics that challenge original thoughts. You can subscribe and download the Flipside Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Most importantly, we want to hear from you. So search for the Flipside Pod on Instagram to submit questions and suggest new topics. Until next time, I'm Ed Hill. And remember, conversations create change.